Book of Proverbs tonight. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter number two. Proverbs chapter number two. And of course, we're in our series, The People of Proverbs, going through different characters, different types of people in Proverbs, uh, seeing how the Bible describes them. And then that, of course, helps us know uh, how to either be like those that we need to be like, not like those we don't need to be like, and then how to deal with these different characters. And so tonight we'll look at another one, and we look forward to uh, another good Sunday this Sunday. I know the summertime is upon us. Our school ends this coming Friday, and so people people will be coming and going for vacation. And, that, and of course, that's uh, certainly appropriate. Just want to remind you to be uh, faithful to the things of God. God's given us a good year. And our church is in a very, very good place right now. God has blessed our church. Um, and with the uh, theme this year, a double portion, we're asking the Lord to uh, double, uh, give us double the blessings. And uh, this past uh, Sunday was just evident of what God is doing. And it was uh, pointed out to me, and I checked the reports to make sure, but uh, this, Sunday, this past Sunday morning on Memorial, Memorial Day for a pastor's you know, it's usually one of the lowest days attended. People are gone, uh, but it tied our highest attendance so far uh, this year. That includes Easter and special promotions. Sunday night was our highest Sunday night attendance of the year, and Sunday school was our highest uh, Sunday school attendance of the year. And so let's not make this go down this coming Sunday. It needs to keep trending up, and so we're trying to double our attendance, and we're on the right track, and the Lord is certainly adding to the church, and we're thankful for that. And it will be in the Great Commission once again this coming uh, Sunday and look forward to what God does in the days and weeks ahead. And so don't get fatigued because it's summertime. Uh, God's work is marching on and be a part of it. And uh, just be faithful to the things of the Lord. Grow as a Christian. Let's see what the Lord does uh, throughout the year. Uh, Proverbs chapter number 2. I'm going to read two verses of Scripture to get us started. Verses number 20 and 21. That thou mayest walk in the way of good men and keep the paths of the righteous. For the upright shall dwell in the land, and the perfect shall remain in it. You read the book of Proverbs, especially the first couple of chapters. Of course, Solomon is teaching his sons. There's so much wisdom in this book of the Bible. Much is talked about the right way, the right path, the wrong way, the wrong path. And how we end up in life is really deciding what path to walk down. We make the Christian life so much more complicated than God does. If we just say, I'm going to do everything in my power to obey God, it generally turns out pretty well. If we don't make that effort, then things generally don't turn out well at all. And so it's all about what path are you going to go down? Are you going to be a companion of fools or a companion of wise? Well, what you choose, you're choosing the results of that. You're choosing the influence. And so much is said, and we see in verse 20, that thou mayest walk in the way of good men and keep the paths of the righteous. It's a good thing to walk in the way of good men. It's a good thing to follow the right examples. And keep the paths of the righteous. Uh, to the young people especially, but everybody, it's good for us to follow the right kind of example. Have the right kind of people we follow. Uh, those that follow God are those who we should follow. All of that is good, but I know there's some who say, Pastor, I know that we should be on the path of righteousness. I know we should follow the right way, but sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we don't have the discernment. All that may be true, but the secret is in verse number 21. 
For the upright shall dwell in the land, and the perfect shall remain in it. Tonight I want us to look at the upright. That doesn't just mean those that are sitting up in their seat. That doesn't just mean those that are like, you know, uh, vertical on, on, on top of the plane. That's not what it's talking about. We'll define the upright in just a moment, but tonight we're going to deal with the upright. And there's, there, there's 16 plus of these, and, and I have a cutoff tonight, and uh, we'll pick up next uh, Wednesday for sure. Uh, but we're going to deal with the upright tonight. Father, thank you for an opportunity to open your word. May the Spirit of God speak to us, teach us, instruct us. I believe with my whole heart if we grab a hold of what uh, the upright is all about, the way they live, uh, we would certainly please you and honor you. Uh, we could certainly avoid some mistakes and heartaches and tragedies in our life. And Father, may we just establish these things in our heart and then may the scripture tonight reinforce the benefits of living as an upright <clears throat> individual. And Father, I pray your hand of blessing on what we do, for it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, a lot of coming down to what you're going to do is, as I mentioned, being on the right path, going the right way. The upright shall dwell in the land and the perfect shall remain in it. How do we always make, end up on the right path? Well, a lot of that is decisions that you make. Well, how do we make the right decisions? It comes back to the definition of what an upright individual is. Let me give you a definition of the upright tonight. It's someone who's honest, just, listen carefully, not deviating from correct moral principles, conforming to divine or moral laws, to live to any known standard of right and truth. I'll read that definition in, a, in just a moment again, and I'll give you a word that summarizes this. But our world is not full of upright people. How can I get by? As long as the end justifies the means. Upright is honest, just, not deviating from correct moral principles. They do right because it's right. Even amongst Christians, we, 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 we want to justify, well, if, if my intentions were in the right place, well, it's just about doing right. Why do we do it? We're in the minority. Do right because it's right to do. And I can tell you, and I can testify, I think we all could, God bless us if you, if you just do right because it's right to do. You shouldn't have to take a Facebook poll to figure out if you're going to do right. Right is right. Conforming. Boy, we live in a world today that says, don't you conform. I'm not, they just, that church, they just want you to conform. You, you follow God, don't conform. Well, if you, have you read the Bible? God says conform. That's what the upright do. They conform to divine or moral laws to live to any known standard of right and truth. Notice that last part of the definition, to live to any known standard of right and truth. So where does an upright individual decide to live and what the standard of right is? What the standard of truth is? Christian, we should not let this world set the standards for us. We should let God set those standards. The Word of God. What is an upright Christian? Somebody who says, if this is a Bible standard, then I'm going to live by it. They don't look at the environment around them and say, well, you know, I'm better than the world, so that's going to be, as long as my standard is just a little bit above the world. 
mean, if you just have pajamas on when you leave the house, you're a little bit better than the world. By your reaction, you've been to Walmart. Uh, you know, that shouldn't be our standard. We shouldn't look around, and young people, you shouldn't look around your youth group and say, well, everybody else is doing this, so I'm going to set the standard here. No, this is the standard that you should live to. That's what an upright individual is. Well, look at our society. I mean, look at, look at, look at how everything has been torn down, and, and this is acceptable now, but what does the Bible establish as the, as, the, as the moral law, as the divine law? An upright person says, that's my standard. If, we set, if we're upright, if we determine we're going to live by the standard that God has set, you don't have to worry about what everybody else is doing. You know what you're doing. It is a frustrating life to always be doing this to see what's everybody else doing so I know what to do. I'm not talking about following the right kind of example. I'm talking about I'm going to make my decisions based on what everybody around me is doing. No, an upright individual lives to that known standard of right and truth. Well, this is all I knew before, but now I know, I know, I know that I've learned this. So I've got to raise my standard to live here. We shouldn't get upset at the world or at new Christians because they don't know all of the laws of God or the standard that God has set. Well, we don't want to, we don't, we want to bring everything down to their level. No, I think God wants us to rise to his level. And, and we need to understand that, that people have to learn and they have to grow. But as you and I grow as a Christian, the, all of us are going to confront some things and say, wow, that's a higher standard than I had been living at. Now that I know what the divine law is, I need to raise a standard. That's why the longer you attend a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, Bible-preaching church, your standards should raise. That's why I don't have to get up here and teach, and you should be doing this and this and this and this and this. If I just teach the Bible, we're all going to discover, well, there, I've been living down here, and God wants me to live up here. I've been, I've been settling for this, but now that I know, maybe you're doing the best that you knew to do. We've all been in those places, but now that I know, I need to raise my standard to where God has set it. Not be satisfied where we've been. The upright, here's your word, are principled. They don't deviate from the correct principles. This Bible is full of principles that you and I should learn and live by. The average in, don't take offense to this because I believe we're an above average church, but the average Christian lives by emotion and not by principle. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's from the pulpit to the back pew. The average Christian lives by emotion. Oh, a great Bible study it's great because it came from the Bible, not because I, I gave it, but it was a great Bible study that, that, the, talking about the man who uh, does what he thinks is right. Uh, what he thinketh is right. Be careful doing what you think is right. The Bible is very specific about what is right. And it's true of our principles. You need to establish principles. Mom and dad at an early age established some principles in your children's life. Young, young people establish some principles. Uh, I say this, I say this all, all, all the time as the pastor. If you're a new Christian, you're new in church, you're new at trying to live for the Lord, borrow my principles until you get your own. But get your own, but you, better, you need to have some principles. 
that you live by. The average Christian, and many times we put ourselves in a situation where we're faced with something, like, i got to decide what to do. And then we feel this outside pressure from somebody we know or love, or the situation puts pressure on us, what you're going to do, or we find ourselves in a minority you find ourselves facing, well, if you don't do this, then, then this is going to take place. And we let our emotions, we let our fears, we let all those things begin to make the decision. But long before you get yourself in that situation, you need to have already decided, here's the principle I'm going to live by. I don't bring it all, I, I hardly, almost never do I ever bring anything that I deal with as a pastor to this pulpit. I try and teach you what we need. And I'm only saying that to say there, there are times and there's things that are dictated to me on how I should run this church, what I should do in this church. And you say, Pastor, don't you think about that? No. Don't you pray about it? No. Well, when they call you, what do you do? Click. Why? Because I've already decided. My principles decide, not even the attendance. My principles decide, not even a fellowship. My principles decide. And when you go to work tomorrow, you know what you decide the way you, the standard you live? Not the atmosphere of the workplace, but principles that you've decided that as an upright Christian, you're going to live by. Well, everybody else talks that way. Well, what's God's standard? That's the upright. Well, everybody else, but everybody else has given up their standards. What's God's standard? That's the upright. Well, nobody else is doing that. Well, what has the, the law, the divine law, been established? And by the way, that's why you need to be in a church, and you are, that teaches the Word of God for Sunday school. And, te- and we even teach our four and five, the four and five-year-olds are going to get the same lesson that you're going to get in here. For those of you that can't understand this on a four- and five-year-old level, I don't understand what the problem is, but anyway. You say, why is that important? It's important for them at a young age to get some principles established in their heart and their mind. So you're going to live this way. That's what the upright. Well, this, is, this ought to help us tonight, that principle, live by principle. In essence, on these Wednesday nights, I've been giving us a lot of principles that we can establish in our own heart and life. I'll say this and I'll get to the outline. I said we'd get through half of them tonight. We may not get through any of them. But it's, it's, it's important for all of us to establish some principles that we're going to live by, that's going to dictate our reaction. This world, it changes. Well, what's our principles? What are we living by? Let me give you a, some of them and I'll move as quickly as I can. But almost to keep in mind that what the upright, the upright individual is, is they, they are conforming to God's law, God's standard. They're living by that standard. And by the way, you know, if you're, you, you're in a Bible-preaching church, Bible-believing church, well, my loved one, they go to, they, go to they, 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 they may not have been taught what you've been taught. Pastor, are you saying that everybody who doesn't, doesn't live up to your, that's what they say, well, your standard, my standard is not my standard. My standard is a Bible standard. I mean, I had this conversation recently with another pastor who says, not my, taught you ha- not my fault you haven't taught your people. It's not my fault 
that you're not teaching the whole counsel of God. That's not my fault. And there are some places, you know, just like you don't expect somebody who's been in church for a short time to live the same way somebody's living, they've been there a long time. Why? Because they've had more time to learn principles to say, I've learned this about God's law. That's where I'm putting my life. That's where I'm going to decide to live. The good thing about being part of the Emanuel Baptist Church is you get fed a heavy diet of Bible. There's not a bad part of that, but the other side of that coin is you. God expects you, not me. God expects you to live at the level you've been taught. Live at what you know. So with that in mind, let me give you number one. Look at the same verse of Scripture, verse 21 in chapter 2. For the upright shall dwell in the land, and the perfect shall remain in it. Some of this is very practical, simple. We can move through it quickly. Number one, the upright are promised security. The upright shall dwell in the land, and the perfect or complete shall remain in it. Verse 22 talks about the wicked being cut off, and there's lots of consequences to who's going to be preserved and who's not going to be preserved. Let me tell you who has the most security in their life are those that live by principle. Say, Pastor, how are you dealing with that? I sleep good at night. You know why? Because I'm secure. Am I secure in my own goodness? No, I'm secure in the righteousness of Christ. But beyond that, are you secure in your decision-making? No, I'm secure in God's decision-making. Now, sometimes I have to labor and pray to study to find out what God has already said. But it's not a decision I have to make. There is security. Mom and dad, do not take your kids' security away from them by one day walking in and saying, we don't believe that anymore. And then there are kids who just rebel and they leave the things of God, but the vast majority of a generation who are out of church don't want to have nothing to do with God is because mom and dad took their security away. Their security in having a church like this. Their security in having a, a children's program. Their security in being taught the Bible in Sunday school. Their security as a young man and young lady being in a youth group being taught that God has a perfect plan for your life. God has a will for your life. You ought to serve God with your life. You ought to live a higher standard than the world because the world is full of sorrow and full of heartache and all those things. If you go the wrong path, their security in knowing this is what I need to do. This is what's expected of me and when you jerk that out from them, they have no security. So then they go to this world, they latch on to everybody who gives them a little temporary security. Tells them what they want to hear. And then they have to bounce from, from person to person to idea to idea because they're looking for the same security they had. The upright are promised security. So, you know, those who would decide, I'm going to do the best I can to live as God has established it. There's security in that. As a, if you'll permit me to come in from a pastor's perspective, I'm secure in the way we do things. I'm not waiting for the next magazine to come across and tell me what, what sermon study I should do and Here's the slides that you can have with it that's in every other dead church. And here's, what you, here's the idea how you should be running your music now and all this. I'm secure in what we're doing. Amen. Why? Because it's God's standard. Amen. Well, you know, there's people out there, you've got you to lower it and be, appeal to their... Wow, it's like appeal to their emotion? Uh, no, there's security. 
Don't let this world lie to you. And I don't, we may stay at number one. Don't let this world lie to you about living by the standard God has set. Our, our children are secure. Think about, think about the nonsense that children have to put up with today in this society. In their schools and in, 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 inundated with, I mean, you can't even go to Target now. I mean, it's just that these, you better make sure they're secure and say, God said he made male and female. A male walks like a male, looks like a male, acts like a male, doesn't act like a female. A female looks like a female, walks like a female, acts like a female. The male should be masculine. The female should be feminine. And by the way, let me help you out, those of you that rear your children, the more masculine you, you, you rear your boy, the more feminine of a young lady he's going to attract. And vice versa. Well, I want to see the science on that. How about the creator? That's the standard. And I'm saying all that to say more than ever before. Parents, take this or leave it, but I, I encourage you to take it. More than any generation, you better make a big deal about a little boy being a little boy and a little girl being a little girl. There's got to be a distinction. And what I, what I am noticing in my own observations from our school ministry, just interacting in the public, is now there are people... You know why, you know why the, 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 the emerging churches are going like this? One, they have no truth. And churches that hold a high standard are growing. It's because now everybody out there is saying, I want somebody to tell my, 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 my little girl that she's a girl. I want somebody to tell my little boy he's a boy. Well, God's standard does that. You better teach them the difference. You better set that standard high. If not, you're playing right into it. This world. Why well, God's principle? Why there's security in that? Security in it. Well, I just, everybody, this is not what, well, there's, uh, the upright are secure. Why? Because we're promised security. Number two, I'm never going to make it. Chapter 10, verse 29. This, this Bible study has been amazing. Chapter 10, verse 29. You think, you think I'm getting riled up now. You ought to see me pacing around my house when, you know, when, when, when it was just me. And those dogs get an earful, I'll tell you. It's Proverbs chapter number 10, verse 29. The way of the Lord is strength to the upright, but destruction shall be to the workers of iniquity. Statement number two, the upright are strengthened by the way of the Lord. The upright, the more upright they are, the stronger they are. The way of the Lord is strength to the upright. The longer I walk the old paths, the stronger I get. The longer you, Christian, decide I'm going to live by God's standard, well, what do you think about that? It doesn't matter what you think about it. 
doesn't matter what I think about it. God's not in, he- in heaven with a clipboard saying, oh, I wonder what they think about what I said. No, he's saying live this way. This is the standard. Amen. This is the path of the righteous. You'll be preserved this way. And so when we live that way, Christian, when you decide I'm going to live by God's standard, at first it's a, it's a, it's a real change. At first there's an adjustment. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. The longer you do it, the Lord gives you strength. The longer you do it, the more secure you are in those principles, in that way of living. Why, that's what the upright are strengthened by the way of the Lord. Uh, Those that you will get weaker if you start getting away from the way of the Lord. Uh, The contrast we see in verse 29, destruction shall be to the workers of iniquity. If if you're not strengthening yourselves, you're you're going to be destroyed. We have to strengthen. How do we strengthen ourselves? Let God strengthen us. Let God strengthen us. I can get stronger. No, there's nobody that can get stronger spiritually without God. It's not possible. So how is he going to strengthen us? He says, we say, this is, what, this is the mistake we make. It's a common mistake. Lord, if you'll give me strength, then I'll start doing what you've established. God, if you would give me strength, then I could live at that standard of separation. I know there's some people I should be away from, but I just don't have the strength. When you give me the strength, then I'll separate. Lord, when you give me the strength, then I'm going to do away with those things. No, God says do it, and as you do it, you'll be strengthened by do it. That's like, man, I need, I, need, I need to start working out. I need to, not me personally, but I, I, need, to, I, need, to, I need to get stronger. As soon as I get the strength, I'm going to the gym. When I get in shape, you guys waited there. When I get in shape, I'm a coming. You say, what a fool. It's no different than you and I as a child of God saying, God, would you give me the strength to do what you told me to do? Then I'll do it. God says you do it. You rise to the standard that I've set. You obey me, and when you do it once, I'll give you the strength to do it again. And the longer you do it, the more it becomes part of you. And it's stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. To use that illustration of working out, I've been told by those who like to run. Man, if you just get into it, you just fall in love with it. That's why I avoid it. And just, we just like to run because you just, why you just get stronger and stronger. You just becomes part of who you are. Well, how do you get out of that? We stop running. So spiritually, which is more important? If we are going to live to God's standards and say, I'm not able, let's just be honest tonight. You're not able to do it in your strength. I'm not able to do it in my strength. So what do we do? We say, God, you've set the standard. I'm going to obey. I'm going to rise to the standard. And when you do that, he gives you the strength. He's not when you... I've talked to so many who, who used to be in church. Not sure, well, when I just get everything together, I'm going to be back. You're never going to get it all together. So how do you know that? Look, everybody that's in church, they don't have it together. But the more you come, okay, man, this feels okay. I think I can get back there. 
I think I can keep doing this. They're strengthened by the way of the Lord. Number three, chapter 11, verse number three. The integrity of the upright shall guide them, for the perverseness of transgressors shall destroy them. Number three, the upright are guided by principles. We've been saying this the whole time, but I want to put it in that vernacular. The upright are guided by principles. That word integrity of the upright shall guide them. You and I don't have integrity of ourselves. Same illustration that when I taught about wisdom, is like this kid, 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 this kid was born with wisdom and this one had none. Well, if I had only been born with wisdom. No, wisdom comes from the Word of God. Same is true of integrity. One kid's not born with integrity and one kid's born without it. Integrity is that character, those principles that we put into our lives and we let that govern us. Everyone has a level of integrity. Some just has a very low level of integrity. So as we adopt these principles, we see verse number three, the integrity of the upright shall guide them. What makes your decisions? Is it your emotions? You'll be wrong the majority of the time. Not only will you be wrong, you'll make, the, you'll make a bigger mess the majority of the time. Your emotions will betray you. But you know what will never betray you? The principles in this book. Never betray you. I didn't say they'd always be easy, but they'll never betray you. They're always right. The upright are guided by their principles. This is going to sound crazy, but in the context, you'll understand it's true. Christians need to, to stop thinking about what they're going to do. And just adopt some principles and let them decide for them. You know, what's, 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 a, what's, a, what's a principle? We could all establish some principles. We know what principles are, but, you know, really, it's Sunday. We go to church on Sunday. Once you get that established, say, you know what? I need to be in my place on Sunday. I need to be where I'm supposed to be on Sunday. Well, I'm just not 100% today. Well, if you can be there, you can still be there. Well, I just, I just, I just, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on all the time, but there's principles. Your children ought to know, what do we do on Sunday? We go to church. Well, if it's a holiday weekend, we still go to church. You know, Sunday is Sunday. That's a, that's a principle. There's, some, there's principles of, of what we participate in, what we don't participate in. It's the Word of God. We let that guide us. Christian, don't make your decisions based on the crowd you're in. That's, that's in person or online. Both apply. Now, we're a real Bible believer until we get online sometimes. It, we, should, we, should, we should be guided by our principles. Number four. Chapter 11, verse 6, the righteousness of the upright shall deliver them, but transgressors shall be taken in their own naughtiness. The righteousness of the upright shall deliver them. Number four, simple statement, the upright are delivered by their righteousness. Those, the good that you do, the following what God has said, the obeying God, those are righteous works. You and I have no righteous works separate of what God has told us to do. How are the upright delivered? All of us will get ourselves in trouble. You know how we get delivered? By being upright. You know, we, 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 we are born in tumultuous times. 
In our lifetime, more than one occasion, we're gonna, we're gonna, if we live long enough, uh, no matter where we live in this world, uh, you're gonna, the, the world is like this. We're going to find our t- ourselves in time. What do I do? You know who are preserved. You know who are saved. Uh, the upright are delivered by the righteousness. Now, make no mistake about it. It doesn't mean the world delivers us. It's God delivers us. God is not bound by the, the actions of this world. And that's how we are delivered. The more righteous we live does not save us, but it does deliver us. Well, I'm, I'm saved by faith. It doesn't matter how I live. Well, it doesn't matter how you live, but you are saved by faith. But righteousness do, does deliver the upright. Number five, chapter 11, verse 11. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. Number five, the upright are a blessing to those around them. The upright are a blessing to those around them. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. They're blessed. Those around the upright are blessed because God blesses the upright. Uh, When the, the, the rapture takes place and all the Christians are taken out, and this world has said if the Christians were gone, they're going to realize how bad a day that is. Because the only thing preventing the utter destruction of this world are the Christians, the presence of God. You remove that, and there's no blessings. I'm a firm believer that a church like the Emmanuel Baptist Church brings blessings upon its neighbors. I believe this church, if we would continue to say, this is the standard that God has set, and we're going to live by this standard, we're going to be the upright. I believe our city can be blessed, not because of, of, of a political machine, but because God is going to bless the upright. There's been a lot of politicians, and certainly some, politi- uh, some policies are better than others, take a lot of credit for God's blessings on a country. When I just believe that God blesses the upright. They're blessed because the, the, the city is also blessed because of their influence on them. There is wisdom in living by God's standards. There's wisdom in how we if we follow if we follow the pattern that God has set, we live at a higher level, there will be success with that. Joseph. We've been talking about him in Sunday school. Beginning of the book of Job, one of the characteristics God describes of Job, he was upright. He lived by God's standard. People benefit around them because we're just better people when we live by God's standard and not by our own understanding. Christian, you can't live by God's standard and by your own understanding. It's one or the other. Because there are things about God's level of living that you and I do not understand. We're just supposed to obey. We're just supposed to establish that. Number 6, chapter 11, verse 20. They that are of a froward heart are abomination to the Lord, but such as are upright in their way are His delight. Number 6, the upright are pleasing to God. We notice verse number 20. If you think back to when we talked about the froward man, the froward heart, what that means is it's unyielding. You can't restrain it. I'll do what I want to do. 
we establish then that that froward heart is an abomination to the Lord. The creation should submit to the Creator. And the Creator, I don't think, passes out surveys. This just should be a submission. You're the, well, explain to me, Creator. No, 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 you're the Creator. Whatever you want, that should be our response. And a heart that will not yield is an abomination to the Lord. But such as are upright in their way, God, I'm going to live by that standard you've set. I'm going to be principled. There's nobody else around, but I know what you expect of me. I know I live in a, in a, in a wicked world, but I know what you expect of me. I'm going to live as an upright individual. Notice what verse 20 says. Are his delight. Those that are upright in their way, their way of living are his delight. Well, God loves everybody. Yes, he does. Absolutely. 100% true. The Bible doesn't say that everybody's his delight. But the upright are his delight. Well, God plays favorites. Well, he blesses those who abide by his principles. It's not really an accurate statement to say God plays favorites because God will bless anybody who will just take the principles and put them in their life. I make this statement often. I'm sure it's not original with me, but you can be as, everybody, anybody can be close to God. You can be as close to God as you want to be. If it wasn't for the pastor, I'd be closer. No, you could be closer to God. If it wasn't for my spouse, I'd be closer. No, you could be closer to God. We, we all could be closer if we want to be. The same issue. We can live by those principles, and so we can please God. I'm thankful that God loved me enough to send his son to die for me, aren't you? I'm thankful for the goodness of God and his providence in my life and his plan, and I'm thankful for all of those things. You and I will forever be indebted to God for his love for us his willingness to send his son. I'm glad God loves me. I'm glad that there'll never be a day when God does not love me. But I want God to delight in his thoughts of me. I want when God thinks of me, yes, he sees my imperfections, he knows my failures. He knows I'm but dust. But I want him to also see that to the best of my ability, I'm trying to live by his standard. Now, friend, that's a, that's a level that we miss the mark on. All of us miss that mark from time to time. I'm glad God loves me. and There'll never be a day that God doesn't love me, just like there's not a person that God does not love. But I'd much rather, in addition to that, God, when he thinks of me, you think he delighted in thinking on Job? It was his delight. The upright are pleasing to God. I got two more. Can we get there? Chapter 12, verse 6. The words of the wicked are to lie in wait for, the blood, for blood, but the mouth of the upright shall deliver them. 
Number seven, the upright use their words to warn of danger. The words of the wicked, you, want to, you, you, can, want, you, can, you can decipher who is wicked, not just by listening to them. To lie and wait for blood, to use their words for evil. But the mouth of the upright shall deliver them. The upright use their words to warn of danger. If you're going to live at a high level, you, will, you then, it's a natural thing to expect others to live at that high level. Well, I wish my kids were more principled. Mom and Dad, you'd be principled. And the percentages, the, the chances of them being more principled will go up. Because you're going to obtain wisdom to teach them, to instruct them. The, upright shall, the words of the upright shall deliver them. It's a study for another time that I'm sure we'll get to, but controlling your tongue. The Bible says more about words and the tongue than, than we like to talk about. No pun intended. But the, word, the, the upright are careful in what they say. They use their words to help and not hurt. Uh, number eight, and we're done. We'll get back on the subject next week. Chapter 13, verse 6. Righteousness keepeth him that is upright in the way, but wickedness overthroweth the sinner. This really ties in very well with these others. Ties in very well on being strengthened, number two. Number eight, the upright stay on track by their righteousness. Righteousness keepeth him that is upright in the way. At some point, every Christian has got to decide, I'm going to, I'm going to head down the right path. That illustration I used before, well, when I... That's why parents, my kids say, well, I don't like church. Don't wait. You say, well, I'm going to bring them back when they like church. You keep bringing them to church. Why is it you'll learn to like that broccoli? No, when it comes to Jesus, we just got to wait till they, till they get around to it. No, you, you bring them. You, you decide this is what we're going to do. The upright stay on track by their righteousness. If you start on, you have to start on that path. You get strength as you go on that path. The best way to stay on the path is to start on the path. They stay on track by their righteousness. Doing right keeps you on track. Well, this world is full of evil. Do good. Well, I, was, I tried this church thing before and, and I was wrong. Do good. So the Bible says you overcome evil with good. Somebody else not doing right doesn't negate our obligation to do right. The upright stay on track. Do you want to stay on track? Do you want to finish? I, I, the idea of God thinking on us and delighting in us ought to overwhelm us. It ought to make us change some of our habits and make some decisions tonight. But if I'm going to stay and I'm going to finish and I'm going to be faithful and well, I still want to be serving God to the best of my ability when I take my last breath or until that trumpet sounds. How am I going to do that? It's the good that I'm doing. It's the righteousness that I am involved in. 
That's why, Christian, you start to live by that high standard. Do what God tells you. You're going to have fruits to your Christian life. If you say the right things instead of the critical things, there's a benefit of that. There's fruit of that. What keeps us on the right track? Our righteousness. Doing right will keep you on the right track. Principles keep you on track. Do not, do not, do not, do not, do not, do not compromise one principle. Not one principle. What's a little principle? Who says? Did God say it was little? Because I can't think of anything in here God says is little. Do not. Man, I just don't know if I would, if I would, if I would die on that hill. I'm, there's certain hills I'm not dying on. But when it comes to the smallest, tiniest principle, I'm dying on that hill. Well, well, the friends will walk away. Walk away. Walk away. Well, well, family won't speak to me. You should have told me that sooner, but, you know, I'll just have to live with that. Because the upright rise to the standard that God has set. And until God lowers the standard, you and I have a responsibility to live by it. And as painful as, as this may be, you and I need to understand not everybody is going to live by that standard. But remember, we're not choosing how we live by how everybody else is living. We're choosing how we live by the standard God has said. That's what an upright man is. That's what the upright are. It doesn't matter what's going on around us. God set these principles, and therefore these principles are dictating to me. Not my feelings. These principles are dictating to me, not the environment I'm in. Now, if you're in the right environment, it's easier to stick to your principles. If you're in the right environment, sometimes it's easier not to stray from that. But what, no matter where we are in life, we should hold those principles. Do not, do not compromise one principle. There's, prices, there's a price to pay to keep your principles. But I'd rather have my principles because of security. Security. The principles. You hear that rain? Let's get 9 through 16 tonight. What do you say? Father, help us to live by principle. Help us to hold to your